0: afraid not podcast with jill mccormick and robin wall we believe that our stories matter and make us who we are every other week we invite guests to join us and share their stories even though our stories have knots, we are not afraid our stories are afraid they are not perfect
1: we believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger we hope that god uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in him our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even
0: our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Joel McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is the Frayed Knot Podcast. You're listening to episode 90
1: and our guest today is Art Hathaway, who is very well known in Owasso. He is the editor of the Owasso Reporter and he's here today to share his story with
0: us. Art also has a book that just came out, so it's called Reflections of an Editor: Insights and Observations of a Small Town Newsman, and I think you're you're going to be excited to read it after you hear him speak. So listen in. Thanks for joining us today, Art, we're flipping the tables, so if you read the Owasso Reporter, you know who Art Hathaway is, and he is a very popular reporter in Owasso, Oklahoma, and we're going to be interviewing him today. So thanks for coming, Art. We're glad you're here.
2: Thanks for having me. Uh, I think popular uh, reporter gives me a little bit too much credit, but I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) So why don't we start tonight with you giving us a little introduction of who you are for our listeners.
2: Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Art. I'm the editor of the Owasa Reporter. I've been uh, at the helm of the newspaper for about six years. Uh, so, I grew up in Ohio. I was born there, and I moved to Tulsa uh, to attend ORU. I pursued a, a print journalism degree there, and uh, after I graduated, I had to work retail for several years uh, and freelance on the side, freelance writing um, for several publications until I finally landed a job in the publication world. So, uh, fast forward to today, I'm, uh, I'm happily in my career, love it. Uh, and, um, I, am very grateful for the position I'm in to help the community to reach others, uh, through the written word.
0: So it's super competitive to get into print, Journalism, correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I worked at Men's Warehouse as a manager for several years uh, while I worked for free on the side uh, writing for different publications until eventually that led to a paid gig. Paid full time gig, um, so yeah, I, I definitely had to keep my day job for a long time. <laughs>
1: so I'm guessing there were lots of times you were writing and it was not being paid, but you knew it was going to help you build.
2: Oh yeah, my my goal, my end goal was to ultimately write for every publication in the Tulsa area, and I eventually did that over over several years. Um, Tulsa People, Tulsa World, which. I currently work at, uh, they own the Tulsa, they own the Owasa reporter, right. um, urban Tulsa. Do y'all remember, remember that p- publication? No, I kind of
0: remember that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, worked for them, uh, just Tulsa pets. I think I mentioned, um, so all of these publications I finally built into my portfolio, which now stands at, uh, quite a, <laughs> quite a stack. So. It's a
1: great example of just working hard, mm-hmm. having that good work ethic and knowing you didn't give up, even if it was the, the time you weren't getting a paycheck for it. It was right. working for that, um, you know, just knowing this is going to work for you. How did you know you wanted to be an editor? How did you know you wanted to be a writer?
2: Yeah, so that started in high school. Um, I actually took a, uh, a random writing class, which allowed me to become the copy editor of the high school newspaper. And uh, I'm not exaggerating. When I literally picked up a newspaper for the first time in high school, my, my high school newspaper. I instantaneously knew I wanted to do this the rest of my life. And of course, uh, now we know that's a God thing, but un- unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, it, it, it wasn't that clear, <laughs> but I'm like, man, grammar and writing and the written word and syntax and intonation and just how the words work on the page, I just fell in love with that immediately, and I just knew then that, that I had to do that.
0: Cool. Did you always like literature and reading? And-
2: um, no, I actually <laughs> didn't like uh, English class in high school. It wasn't until my senior year that I picked up that newspaper and started writing. Um, but no, I, I wasn't a big fan of literature. <laughs> I, I actually uh, I, I hate poetry, so... I, I, I do not like poetry. That's the one thing I don't like. But you, know what? you don't have to put that in there. No,
0: I taught English, and that was my least favorite.
2: Is that right? Unit
0: to teach was it?
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know why. I love teaching grammar, though.
2: Nice. It's so fun. I, it
0: is. Yeah. Yes. Diagramming
1: sentences? I mean... I have to say, this I, is kind of off topic. I'm sorry, nerdy listeners, out. I'm chasing a rabbit. But <laughs> I think it's so sad that we don't diagram sentences anymore with our students in class. I agree. Because it totally made all of the usage of English language click for me yes. as a seventh grader. Uh-huh. I remember my wonderful teacher, Mrs. Haddad, in seventh grade, and all of the diagramming we did. Packets and packets of it. But, <laughs> so... What's become of these kids today? (laughs) They don't even die. Uh,
2: It's sad. It's
1: sad. (laughs) So, what was your growing up like? Did you have a family that went to church? Did you were you introduced to the Lord as a young child, or was that something the relationship with Him was it coming later in your life?
2: Uh, Definitely early on. So, I grew up in a in a Christian household, spiritual upbringing, uh, evangelical. Uh, household. My dad, um, was very emphatically church driven. Uh, and so that, that definitely helped in my, my spiritual walk at an early age. So Mm -hmm. we attended a Nazarene church, uh, and then we moved to a Baptist church and then, then a non-denominational church and then back to a a Baptist church. So come full circle. (laughs) Um, so that, that's really, uh, that's really my experience. Uh, I don't remember specifically when I got saved. Um, it was definitely early on. Um, and, of course, baptized uh, at an early age. So that's just carried into today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lifelong journey. We never yeah. get to a point
0: where we're like, well, now I know it all. Good yeah. to know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what drew you to ORU from Ohio?
2: Um they had uh, a really good journalism program
0: okay
2: of course that was um, that was the the degree I was looking for, but based on a foundation of spirituality right gotcha. so or you yeah. mind body spirit right. um, it, it that was the big draw so not only could I pursue my journalism career, but I could also pursue that career in an environment that was positive, that was spiritual that was based uh, in a godly atmosphere mm-hmm
1: yeah. yeah. And something we're really excited to talk Mm -hmm. with you about today is your book. That is a really wonderful thing. Here is his book actually in hand, Reflections of an Editor, Insights and Observations of a Small Town Newsman by Art Hathaway. This is really exciting.
2: Thank you. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's still surreal. The fact that you have it in your hands and I'm looking at you holding my book uh, is quite uh, a surreal experience. Let's
1: talk about your book a little bit.
2: All right. What do you want to know?
1: So I see that you have four main chapters, Mm -hmm. A Little Heart, A Little Humor, Pieces of the Press, Faith, Fellowship, and Fortitude, and An Ode to Owasso. So tell us a little bit about how those chapters landed. How did that just fall into place?
2: Yeah. So... Uh, like I said, I've been with the Owasso Reporter for about six years, and during that time, I've written several personal columns for the newspaper uh, on the, for, for the editorial pages, right? Mm-hmm. And they started just to accumulate, and each one of these columns, uh, I've always been a proponent of positivity, encouragement, inspiration. Um, you know, in, in the face of political rhetoric uh, and and a polarized society, especially into, especially in, in the midst of COVID. Um, I really felt a need to compile all these into, into one book. And each, each of these chapters has a sort of underlying positive tone to it. So I got this idea early on and over the last couple of years, I've kind of just shoved it under the rug. "Ah, It'll happen. Uh, there was a lot of procrastination that that took place with it, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, but once COVID hit, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the world is falling apart people are going to social media and tearing others down and so there's so much division and anger yes. and sadness and despair and I'm like what is happening? And I'm like god is this the time to really pursue this passion project? And of course he he gave me the green light and so that's that's sort of the basis of it. So Each chapter that you read, and I say chapter, you know, this book is meant to be read as sort of a devotional of sorts, sort of a chicken suit for the soul, really Mm -hmm. short chapters. And then after each chapter, there's sort of a reflection point. Um, And so uh, I, I just... I really felt led to – if this could help one person who's maybe struggling to jump on the computer and and curse someone out because they're uh, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or, you know, uh, because they agree with with, uh, presidential politics or not, you know – all sorts of issues, we need to uh, to be uplifted and encouraged. And, and so I just want to shout out to my publisher, Design Vault Press. Uh, he, His name is Daniel. Uh, he's a local publisher here in Owasso, and he's been instrumental in my uh, recent small success <laughs> with this book. So thank you, Daniel. You've been awesome. I'm a firm believer that, you know, people who sort of um, – I guess outside of the, they come outside of themselves and they blame others and they 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 they're angry and and they just um they're in this state of despair that's obviously something that's missing in their heart right mm-hmm. and obviously right. we know that that's God we know that that's the mm-hmm. a spiritual basis and foundation that's that's the core that's missing so I feel like this book can really help them in the midst of um hardships and challenges so that's a that's the long-winded answer.
0: <laughs> how hard is that in the newsroom? Speaking of though, with everything that's so mm-hmm. volatile right now, how hard is that to be? Just here's the news.
2: To be honest with you, in my position right now with the Owasa Reporter, it's very easy because this is a community newspaper.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I it, the great thing about my position is that it's fully autonomous. I get I I get to have 100% say. Well, I'll say 99% say of what goes in my paper. Um, we're, I'm owned by the Tulsa World, but they give me free reign of, of of what I put in this paper. So everything that you read is, you know, it's going to be positive. It's going to be uplifting. And, of course, not every news story is going to be that. Obviously, we report on fires and deaths and, and police and, and whatnot. But for the most part, this is a community uh, that's... that's um, uh, the, that's for the most part, we're, we all come together, right? We, we're a city of synergy and uh, partnership,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so this is a paper that reflects that.
0: I'm excited to read it. Yeah, yeah thank I you. I think it's very timely, though, to talk about that mm. and like not being keyboard, uh, yeah, villains or whatever. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's I like that keyboard villains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how I curious like is it
1: that? Most of the cruelty that people write, if they were truly in the presence of the person they were writing those words to, if they literally were looking eye to eye, they would not say Mm. the words that they're writing that are venomous. But for some reason, there's some kind of wall of safety behind that keyboard screen and people
0: just kind of lose their minds and write things that they shouldn't write.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, people will say that it's like behind the keyboard, it's easy. If you're on the phone with somebody, it's a little bit harder, but you're still not face-to-face, so you can still say a little bit. But yes, you're right. Once you're face-to-face, it just changes everything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's very true.
0: So so do you have a story maybe that's from your book or just your life that you want to talk about that was a frayed time in your life?
2: Absolutely. Uh, so I got a divorce about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And it was amicable. It was peaceful. We were together six years, no children, uh, a very, uh, very peaceful split, uh, but still difficult, still painstaking nonetheless. Right. And um, that was a time when I was, uh, I, I don't want to, I hate the term rock bottom because I think that's subjective. I think I could say, oh yeah, I was at rock bottom, but I feel like it was at a point where God said, you're at a fork in the road. You can choose to stay stagnant and complacent, or you can choose to pursue me in the midst of this trial. And so just, just to be a little candid, um, throughout my marriage, I got very complacent, (laughs) very lazy, uh, spiritually. I wasn't praying with my wife. Um, I pursued worldly pleasures and, and temptations. Um, and I was, I will say this. We were both faithful to each other. You know, there was no infidelity, um, but there was uh, certain avenues uh, that I think, you know, it's a two way street, right? I I was not a good husband. I did not provide for her spiritually. You know, I got really complacent in marriage. Uh, Toward the time COVID hit, I was at a place where I was, just lazy spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. I I wasn't putting effort into the marriage. I wasn't putting effort into my spiritual upkeep. Um, it just became this this day to day. Wake up, go to work, come home, don't spend time with my wife. Mm-hmm. Just spend time watching TV and and just going to bed. And and eventually um, we we separated for a time. We we still lived together uh slept in separate beds for about a year on top of COVID, right? So COVID hit and, and
1: So you're quarantined together. Quarantined together.
2: Exactly. But kind
1: of isolated right. in the midst of oh, yeah. being in the same house.
2: Of course. So we would you know, we would still watch movies together and eat together, but it was just a, a friendship.
1: Mm-hmm. A
2: very surface level friendship. And we would say goodnight, but we would, you know then go to bed separately and wake up separately. And so it was a very, uh, coexisting roommate mm-hmm. situation. So all that to say, um, I got to a, so I wrestled with, should I leave her? Cause I was, I wrestled for so long for a year. I prayed God help me because I felt, um, I felt conflicted on one hand. I have this woman who I chose. I, I, I said my vows to right? I said, I do in sickness and in health. And on the other hand, I didn't, now we're going to go into f- talking about feelings here. And f- yes, feelings are fickle, but I had this strong pull to not want to be with her anymore. And I knew that she didn't want that either. We just, we just drew so far apart over months. And it got to this point where it seemed so irreversible. And that's where I was, I was wrestling so much. I was crying and I was I was weeping. I was like, God, help me. I need a sign of clarification. Should I stay with her? Because I, I really was miserable, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I know that she was too. Um, but I did want to fulfill my obligation and obedience to God for being a, a husband who sticks it out, right? Mm-hmm. Who sticks with her and, and serves her. So... Uh, it all culminated into a uh, conversation with the Lord in of all places, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I was waiting to pick up food in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, and I, I finally just broke down. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. You have to help me. You, I, I don't know what to do. This is so hard. I'm, I'm struggling so much. And he said, Art, I don't necessarily con- – obviously, I don't condone divorce, but I paved the way in the midst of it. And he's like, whatever decision you make, I will be there to guide you. And I will be there to guide her. So I said, okay, God. And I made the decision to write a, a letter to her um, just saying, I love you. I'm so sorry that, that this happened. Uh, but we, you know, I, I feel led to, you know, split. And uh, so I gave it to her that night, of course, walked in the other room and bit my nails for about 20 minutes while she read it, not knowing her reaction. And uh, in the back of my mind, I, I I was pretty certain that she felt the same way that she wanted out. But uh, she came in uh, shortly after that and gave me a big hug and said, thank you. I'm glad you wrote this. I'm sorry, too. But I agree. It's, it's not right for us anymore. So that's a long story to say that I, I got to the point where we split. Um, and after that, I I was just in this state of not trusting God. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the point? I, I, invested six years into someone who I thought was the one. And initially we were all great. We were supposedly in love and I, I trusted God with her. And, and here I am now on the cusp of, of a, of a divorce, albeit amicable. Um, and God, where's God in that, right? I mean, yeah, he. he I prayed with, I prayed to him beforehand to, to lead me out of that situation or lead me through it. But at the end of the day, I no longer have a wife, and where does that leave me and where does that leave her? You know, it, there was a lot of dust that had to uh, be settled um, over time, and it was hard to see through the, the big cloud, mm-hmm. right? So through that time, I... Uh, I got to a point where I felt like I was fighting God so much. God, I don't want to trust you anymore. All I want to do is do my own thing. I'm a single man now. That obviously presents several opportunities um, for a a, uh, potentially sinful life. And, of course, I can be more candid with that. But I think we all get the idea that, uh, you know, there, there was temptation that presented itself in the midst of, of my singleness, my my newfound singleness. And so through that, uh, you know, God eventually pulled me out of the mire. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we all want to go one way. And yet God says, "Nope, I'm going to pull you back. Right. And we can go into the to the aftermath of, of how God has redirected my steps. But that's sort of what I came out of that that time of Hardship,
1: Did so. you have a particular season, or, or how would you define the season when you felt like God put your feet back on the rock? Like Psalm 40 says, um, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock, and he put a new song in my mouth. So that may not have happened in one day. It may have happened. It may have been a long, slow haul. But do you feel like God has put your feet back on a rock?
2: Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to be as um, specific as I can with this. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to put into words how God just takes you out of the mire, right? It, it's mm-hmm. sort of like, Absolutely. but God, right? God. But right. God. Um, I, fought, I, I felt like I was fighting God for so long after the months, uh, in the months after divorce. So I would, I would not pray. I would not worship and, mm-hmm. and, but eventually God's like, let's start plugging in to people, to church, to the word, to worship, to more uplifting TV programs, et cetera. Um, and it was just this, it, it's so hard to describe, but the Lord, um, the Lord just, I, I guess at the end of the day, you can't escape God, you can't escape His will. Right, uh, His will will be fulfilled regardless of, of how much or how long you fight. And so, I I, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Well, and I think it, it's hard we, to
2: it's hard to answer. It is when hard. we have yeah. the Holy
0: Spirit, even though the temptation and the world seems fun and interesting, it just there's the Holy Spirit still inside going. This mm-hmm. is not the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it seems fun, but then after a while, it's just kind of like, it's not fulfilling.
2: Absolutely. That conviction was and is so strong in my life. Mm -hmm. That conviction never left me, and uh, I I had to just surrender. You know, you get to the point where you're like, God, I, I can't continue to fight. I give it to you. You're in control, and the peace that now... The peace that I now have with him far outweighs any worldly pleasure that I once had,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it's it's just a peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. Um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So what what did God teach you through this knot, through this fray? What what kind of lessons did you get? Because it's really only been a few years that this happened.
2: Yeah. My, uh, my theme going into 2021, because I got divorced in November or the end of October of 2020, my theme, which grew, right. It, It evolved into this blossoming theme. It was growing in gratitude. Um, I was, I became, you know, in that complacency in marriage in that laziness, that stagnation, I just—it's kind of like a pond, right? It just—it just stays stagnant, and it grows mold, and and it starts to stink, and you don't even want to go around it. I, I kind of became that person, right? I, I was a complainer. I wasn't enjoying other people or life, and just those small things that really just sort of uh, crawled under my skin, and and I I really feel like I allowed the enemy to take a foothold in sort of those tri- trivial areas, right? Um, so growing in gratitude, and so I uh, and I've shared this story with our our small group at, at church, <laughs> um, our, our Sunday uh, morning group. But uh, I got into uh, I moved into a one bedroom apartment after after the split, and I was on the second floor, and there is a gentleman above me who uh, I learned pretty quick that he was a nocturnal person, so he would wake up at two three in the morning. And I don't know what he was doing, but it sounded like he was lifting weights and just like throwing them on the floor. Oh no! And it was, and it woke me up. And I'm a fairly light sleeper. I have to have fans all and white noise all around me just to block out everything. And <laughs> and we had some altercations, some some confrontations, uh, especially with the apartment uh, management. They had to step in and kind of say, "Hey, this is your story. This is his story." it didn't really get resolved. And I grew so, I had so much animosity toward this, this neighbor. He wouldn't stop. He, he, he almost increased his, Mm -hmm. his weightlifting, uh, (laughs) charades. (laughs) Again, I still don't know to this day what he was doing, but he would wake me up every night. I got little to no sleep. But there was a moment, there was one day where I, I there was one night, uh, it was like four in the morning where I woke up and I looked at the same ceiling that I, I stared at every every uh, night at that time and something clicked in me and I started to say, thank you, God, that I have this roof over my head. I'm looking at a roof, right, in the midst of this challenge, in this hardship, and this difficulty. This guy's waking me up in the middle of the night, but yet I have a roof over my head that I'm looking at. And then you start to assess, oh, well, I had bl- a blanket over me. I, had a, I have a bed to sleep in. And it was at that moment that I started to thank God where I was. And I started to actually pray for my neighbor. And I, every time I heard my neighbor make a noise, I said, all right, now's the time that I get to pray for him. And that was sort of my trigger. Uh, when I heard my neighbor, I'm like, all right, God, that's, that's my cue. And that, sh- that sort of mental shift of, of growing in gratitude changed my perspective. It's, it's changed my life. And to the, now if, if I hear a loud noise from another neighbor or if a loud car drives by that's sort of my cue to start praying for that person. And it's a weird, I know it's kind of weird, but God, God's like, you know what? Why don't you start praying for people instead of complaining about them?
0: Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's, that's really helped.
0: So what are things like with your neighbor now?
2: Oh, oh, sorry. I should have. Uh, I should have let you in. I, and I and I and I talk about this in my book. I actually moved. I still okay. needed to sleep, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to sleep. Uh, so my apartment moved me to a third floor in another building. So now it's peaceful. It's no upstairs neighbors. It's very nice. <laughs>
1: and you're getting your steps in every day.
2: Exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that is true. Um, but I think to wrap that specific conversation up is I feel like I had to go through that experience to really truly embrace gratitude, Mm. to recognize that, that prayer is essential in those hard times.
0: And I like the analogy of the river, of like being stagnant. Because there's a Bible study that I'm working on, and they talk a lot about like we're supposed to be rivers and not lakes.
2: Yep, absolutely. We're supposed to be
0: flowing to people and yeah. with people instead of just stagnant sitting there. Yeah. Because then, like you said, it does. You grow mold and you grow things, and it gets stinky. And
2: Absolutely. And I don't want to become that person again. I don't want to go back to the old art. It's like I was in traffic the other day and I started to get angry at this slow driver and I started to well up that anger and, you know, and I said, no, God, I can't become the old art. That's been another theme. Don't become the old art. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. So next time we're in traffic and we're frustrated, (laughs) pray for the person in front of you.
2: Absolutely. Instead
1: of fuming at them.
2: (laughs) Literally start praying for everyone who inconveniences you, whether in traffic or if there's a loud noise. Prayer is, is the answer.
1: <laughs> there's a quote that I was thinking of recently that says, there's no one that is beyond my growing to like them if I just understand them. If I just mm-hmm. try to understand them, I'm going to figure out a way to like everybody. Yeah. Just understanding where they're coming from. So,
2: Well, to add on to that, um, I really felt like, this this time of divorce and inconveniences with apartment living um i feel like that god has allowed me to go through that he's used that as a platform to as an essential part of my journey toward him and i I couldn't Mm -hmm. be more thankful for the process
1: Hmm. so i have a question about in looking over your shoulder now and um, that relationship that is ended, do you? How do you feel that you are? Um, how did you leave that with your ex-wife? Like, how was the between you two? And like, what do you? Any thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, of course, on the initial, like, like I said, it was an amicable, peaceful split. Um, but I think naturally. After something like that, after a divorce or a bad breakup, you're going to have these thoughts. Well, she should have done this or God, you know, why, why didn't she do this? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, she did this for so long. (laughs) And you have these, these pervasive thoughts that, that continue to just rattle your mind. But deep down, I knew that it was a two way street. I did and didn't do things that I should have or should not have done. And at the end of the day, you know, God has, um, forgiven me. He loves me. So why would I hold any bitterness toward her? And so, um, there wasn't any sort of hate or animosity toward her in any way. Again, just those small pervasive thoughts of like, well, she could have done this more or less, and I shouldn't have let that go. I should have told her this, but come full circle now. I mean, fast forward to today. Um, God has, (laughs) God started to tell me, you know what? Why don't you pray for her wherever she is? Pray that I will continue to draw her closer to me. That's been my prayer. God, draw my ex-wife closer to you, regardless of where she is, whatever her emotional state is, um, her spiritual state that you would just make yourself known to her. And that's one thing I didn't pray in marriage for and with her. And now I'm praying that for her. So I find that interesting. Yeah. God has this way of, you know what? You didn't do this before. Now you're going to do this today. Mm-hmm. Not in, in a sort of forceful way. You know, God's never forceful. It's just um, because I didn't do that before. Now I have the opportunity to do it now.
1: And it's evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence oh, in yeah. you.
2: Absolutely. Because
1: it is not in our human nature to forgive. No. Or to not be bitter or resent, mm-hmm. but the, the Holy Spirit in you has helped those things. Now you have that fruit of free from bitterness and, and praying for her. That's evidence of Him working in your heart.
2: Absolutely. And why would, I don't know why, the peace that comes with that, why would I want anything else? I mean, I just pray that she has the peace that God's given me.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. it makes it harder to be bitter towards somebody when you're praying for them.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's truly like an antidote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In it, fact, it is. listeners, yeah. if there's somebody in
1: your life that you're struggling with, start praying for them because it is truly a supernatural thing that will happen in your heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As you pray for that person, heartfelt prayers, God takes. the the bitterness and hate or whatever you're dealing with, he takes it from you. And instead he puts his love in your heart for that person. Whether it's somebody who's just mildly irritating at work or whether it's somebody (laughs) who's like your (laughs) lifetime pebble in your shoe. I don't know. But um, my family has a little saying we call EGR. Sometimes people are extra grace required. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But God gives us the grace
0: to deal with and to love the people that we come in contact with.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so you mentioned uh, that community was one of the things that you felt like God was pulling you back into. Was that just mostly with church, or what did that look like?
2: Everything, especially church. So uh, one of the chapters I wrote recently before I published the book is choosing immersion over isolation. And... I felt like in marriage, where again, where I was complacent, not pursuing God, uh, not pursuing my wife, um, there was this this season of isolation that I chose to just remain in, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I just lived so long like that, that I was so tired of, of not having anyone, not, no accountability, especially with men, good godly men around me. And ultimately, we have something to give, right? So the more that we isolate, the more that others aren't encouraged and inspired by Right. Us. So it's a two-way street.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but God, God really brought me into community, especially with with Church First Baptist Owasso. And by the way, I've been called to go to that church for years, but I've just pushed it under the rug. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Wow. Yeah. I didn't know so that. So
2: God's like, go to that church. Go to that. I'm like, eh, maybe. <laughs> and so after the divorce, after this time, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it's been a complete blessing. But yeah, community is, is so essential. It's so key. And it's been truly healing for me mm-hmm. in the past several months Yes, and just immersing myself in fellowship. And ultimately that's really taught me that, Hey, I have something to give others. I have, I have words to give others and I've seen the results of that, especially at church.
1: What would you say to a listener today who would say, Well, you can say that all, all day long, but it's just too hard for me. I just can't I can't get myself to be opened up with people or to to make time for some kind of group or class. I just don't have time and what or would been you hurt say? Too much. Yeah, it hurt it, yeah. I've been hurt in the past. I'm not going to get hurt again. So what would you say to them? Because we agree with you. Yes, it's yeah. so important. Well, what do we say to that person who's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm buying it.
2: That's a good question. Because, um, you know, I think we've all been to that place mm-hmm. before, right? We've all yeah. been there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think to that person who who thinks that they're too hurt, too broken, you know, they've been hurt before, so what's the point? Um. I've never regretted coming home from a gathering, especially a spiritual gathering. I've never once walked into, walked through the door after church, I've, or you know, worship service, or, or an accountability group. I've never once walked home, walked in my door at home, and said, "You know what? I shouldn't have done that." It's always a, 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 an encouragement. It's always a positive, yes. uplifting um, word. And I would say that if there's an ounce of openness and willingness to that, then you're in the right place. You know, a willingness to engage and become immersed and involved is half the battle, right? Mm -hmm. Showing up. That's what I started to do. I just started to show up Mm -hmm. and that's half the battle. When you show up, God shows up. And for a season, that's all I did was show up and God said, I'll do the rest. Mm -hmm. So the more that I showed up, the more God brought me people brought people into my life and here I am sitting with you talking Mm -hmm. about a book that I I couldn't have envisioned writing a year ago so yeah and that's and yet here it is all because I I started showing up
0: Hmm. well and I do think community is vital and I say that like to my students I've said that like we are created for community and covid and the quarantine and everything kept us all so isolated it's just been so hard for people to pull their way out of that feels like um so i just think this is this is very timely for your book and to talk about community because that's just how we function that's why we're all here right
2: yeah yep
0: And the joy we feel when we are
1: actually being a blessing to other people, we deny ourselves that blessing when we're sitting quietly in the dark. (laughs) You know, the joy of helping someone else is a huge return. And we miss out on that when we're keeping ourselves secluded. Yeah. We miss it.
2: And now that I've experienced those conversations, those those interactions, mm-hmm. those full circle moments, I, it, it becomes sort of an addiction, right? Like <laughs> I, I talked to this person and they said, Oh, I'm so blessed to talk to you today. And uh, it's such a good word brother. And, and man, that worship song was great. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you glad that you uh, gave me that, uh, that, that passage of scripture, um, it, that sort of becomes an addiction. Like you, want, that's all you want
0: mm-hmm. is
2: you want to give and then also you want to receive. And it's it just, yeah, it's, it's fantastic.
0: So you talked about accountability and finding that group of men to surround you. How did you go about finding the right group of people to keep you accountable?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm glad you asked that because um, although – after my divorce, it was it was a rocky road, and I was I was having a hard time trusting God, finding my way back to Him. Mm-hmm. I, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was still so strong, and I still had this big inclination to say, "Okay, God, although I'm not fully trusting you yet, I, I know that I need to plug in; otherwise, I never will." It's one of those things where it, it's a now or never. You know, I, I can pro- I procrastinated fellowship. Community and accountability for so long that I knew that if I didn't do it right then and there that it it was never going to happen Um, so I immediately reached out to it at the time. I was more familiar with life church Um, and I was plugged in a little bit there, but not on a regular or consistent basis And so, uh, I I just typed in like divorced men groups (laughs) And uh, I I found this uh, one of my best friends now ray uh, shout out ray Um, I, I, I saw the number, I called him and he didn't, he didn't answer, but then he called me right back that night and we ended up talking for like an hour and he took the time to talk to me. Uh, we spent about an hour on the phone. It was, it was so fantastic. And I just, I was so grateful that this, this guy who I've never met would take the time to to talk to me, to ask me questions, Mm -hmm. uh, about my struggles, my insecurities. Um, so that was that was the turning point for me. I said, "Let me let me get with this guy." And, and so the next week, uh, I met with him along with some other guys. And every Thursday since then, it's me, him, and a handful of other men who we go to IHOP, Black Bear Diner, you know McAllister's, and we we order a sandwich and we talk about God. We laugh. Uh, so that's been instrumental. So if it wasn't for Ray, I don't know where I would be. Yeah,
1: you know. I wonder how many of us need to be the ray in somebody's life. Oh, wow. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. What small thing that's really big could we be doing to be the ray in somebody's life? I mm. mean, if it wasn't for that person. Yeah. And God has plans to use all of us like that in big and small ways, if we'll just open our eyes. Like, that man was available to minister to a brother Mm -hmm. made a huge difference in your life. Yeah. I just think we're all given divine appointments and assignments, Mm -hmm. and we need to have our eyes ready and open so we don't miss out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Be the Ray.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going
2: to tell them you said that. That, That's awesome. Be the Ray in someone's (laughs) life.
0: Okay, so where can people purchase your book? Uh,
2: Pretty simple, arthadaway.com. And that's going to lead them right to Amazon.
1: Okay. Amazon, you're so official. I am, yes. That's amazing. <laughs> With two Ds, everyone. Yes. Hadaway has two Ds. Yes. Arnhadaway.com. Oh, All right. And the Owasso Reporter is available wherever people buy newspapers and online, right? Yes. So that's exciting. You can um, Those of you that aren't subscribers, if you would like to be a subscriber, I'm sure that that would be very welcome.
2: very much so (laughs) thank you for that plug
1: (laughs) (laughs) and um actually we were really really grateful because in i think it was november of 2019 or something like that i need to look it up but um jill and i were just starting afraid not and Art came and did an interview and a story about Afraid yeah. Not, which really was encouraging and life-giving to us. Well, thank you. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, it was yeah. a fun
2: story to write, yeah.
1: <laughs> we I have a laminated copy in my house. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> it was exciting. I, I got to see that. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll be happy to. Yeah. So before we wrap this up today, if there's a final thought, maybe you'd like to say... Uh, to anybody who's listening today, if you want to encourage them in some way, what would you like to say just to wrap it up today of your your story today?
2: That is a very deep generic question.
1: <laughs> deep <laughs> and generic.
2: <laughs> um you know I would say if if anyone is struggling, has hardship, we all have hardships, we all have challenges. But for those who are on that on that cliff where they feel like they're going to fall off and and they don't necessarily trust that God's going to catch them um, or they've done so much wrong or they've they've run from God for so long that they don't feel like, um, they have a, a way back. Mm -hmm. All I can say is, um, you know, the Holy spirit is real. Conviction is real. And God loves, God loves you. He has a plan for you. And it doesn't matter how far that you have fallen or how much you've backslidden. (laughs) Um, he, he's, he's there. And I know that sounds cliche. We always say that, you know, God's always there. Um,
1: But But take
2: it from me, he is. And again, I've I've said this is sort of my life. uh, My life phrase right now is is the peace that comes from God. Uh, The peace that that I have from God far outweighs any worldly pleasure that I that I had. Um. So also, you know, show up. Um, show up. That's Mm -hmm. half the battle. And Mm -hmm. if if you show up, God's going to meet you halfway and he's going to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Art. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if anybody wants to check out giving Art's book, we encourage you to go to his website, arthadaway.com, and we'll have it in the show notes too. So, Art, thank you again for being on Afraid Not. We're so grateful.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Listeners, thanks for being with us today. We're so glad that you are listening to Afraid Not. We hope that you will share our podcast with other people and let this message of hope be spread to other people all around. So today's takeaway for me is to remember to be grateful, just to keep growing in gratitude,
0: just like we heard from Art. And we need to remember just to show up, show up for people, show up for life. And make sure that we're in community with other people. That's, that's We need to be a river, not a lake. Please remember to write and review and subscribe. And we will see you back again in two weeks. Bye.